G'day, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news, workers' stories and social justice issues. This program is produced in Melbourne for 3CR and the Community Radio Network with the support of the Community Radio Foundation on the stolen lands of the Kulin Nation and we pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. A couple of weeks ago, the Federal Government passed legislation making some changes to superannuation, which some have described as a bad sign for workers and happy one for retail superannuation funds, some of which were at the heart of some of the most damning findings from the Royal Commission held into financial institutions in Australia in recent history. I spoke to Dave Noonan, National Secretary for the Construction Division of the CFMMEU, for some details. But first, some union news. Last week it was reported that MUA members in the Northern Territory were put into mandatory detention for COVID quarantine because they might have been at risk from an international carrier which subsequently was found to have no COVID present. This week the Northern Territory has gone into unprecedented lockdown because of 100 fly-in, fly-out workers returning to the state from a Western Australian mine site, which has been found to be a nest of COVID. This is a new development in the tension between corporate business employment preferences and community health priorities, which came to the fore in Victoria with the low-paid aged care workforce working in more than one site through economic necessity. At this stage of reporting, 14 returned miners were still to be contacted for testing and quarantining in the Northern Territory. In Geelong, Victoria, workers protested a decision by Australia's largest towage operator, Switzer, Australia, to replace local tug crews at the port of Geelong with fly-in, fly-out labour hire workers. Geelong workers, who were made redundant by Switzer in December last year, were joined by supporters from the Maritime Union of Australia on Monday to demand that local workers be given their jobs back rather than be replaced by a labour hire contractor. MUA Deputy Victorian Branch Secretary David Ball said it was outrageous that the largest operator of stowage services in Australia, with a fleet of more than 100 tugs at 28 ports, was stripping jobs out of the Geelong community. Switzer Australia tossed 18 local workers on the scrap heap just before Christmas, telling them that they were abandoning the port of Geelong, Mr Ball said. Just six months later, we discovered that the company plans to restart operations using fly-in, fly-out labour hire workers rather than providing jobs to the local community. It appears Switzer never really intended to leave Geelong. They just manufactured this arrangement where they could terminate their entire local workforce and use a sham contracting arrangement with a labour hire company that has no experience in maritime towage to slash costs, he said. Geelong is being robbed by this multinational company who wants to profit from providing towage services at our port but not provide any jobs or economic benefits to our local community, Mr Ball said. 
The ACTU, the Australian Council of Trade Union, reports that the Prime Minister will pressure state and territory leaders to make COVID-19 vaccines mandatory for aged care workers. Aged care workers want to get vaccinated but have faced broken promises, poor communication and significant financial obstacles to getting access to the vaccine, the ACTU said. The Morrison government should be focusing on getting more vaccines and providing in-workplace vaccines to ensure that no worker, in particular low-paid and casual workers, has to give up shifts to pay to get the jab. Aged care workers were in the highest priority group. They were meant to be vaccinated in their workplace by April, the ACTU said. The government has had five months and has now abandoned workplace vaccinations, leaving hundreds of thousands of aged care workers not vaccinated. If the Morrison government wants aged care workers vaccinated, they should keep their promise to visit every aged care home and offer it to them and ensure casual workers are supported if they cannot work because of side effects. They should have been doing this from February and if they had, no doubt 90% of aged care workforce would be vaccinated by now. It is ridiculous and cynical to mandate vaccines that many people simply cannot get because our government did not secure enough supply and has failed to deliver vaccinations to workplaces. They have shown no urgency to get the job done. The blame lies squarely with them and not frontline, hard-working aged care workers, the ACTU said. In South Australia, in daily reports, more than 60% of South Australian hospital doctors surveyed feel pressured to discharge patients before they are medically ready, with one clinician reporting a death soon after. More than a quarter say the order to move patients out early comes from middle management, while 38% report the badgering comes from hospital executives. The results are based on responses from 250 doctors in a survey conducted by the South Australian Salaried Medical Officers Association. SASMOA Chief Industrial Officer Bernadette Mulholland knew it was a problem but said she was shocked at the results of a widespread practice to precious doctors on a daily basis to interfere with their medical decision regarding appropriate discharge of patients. South Australians need to look really carefully at the narrative developed by politicians and bureaucrats that our current resourcing of hospitals is sufficient. It clearly is not, she said. The association has issued a reminder to doctors that the Health Care Act makes it clear that hospital administrators cannot give a direction concerning the medical treatment of a particular person. If this occurs, the risk is borne by the doctor and their patient, Mulholland warned. The South Australian government is facing growing political and legal backlash against its attempt to change workers' compensation guidelines amid warnings the proposed changes could result in thousands of injured workers receiving lower payments. Currently, an injured worker must have their injury assessed in accordance with the guidelines to determine whether they are eligible for compensation. If their injury affects more than 5% of their bodily capacity, they are entitled to a lump sum payment. If their injury affects more than 30% of their bodily capability, they are deemed seriously injured and are entitled to ongoing income payments as well as a lump sum payment. Under the proposed changes, doctors who assessed injured workers would no longer have the discretion to choose an assessment method that would result in a higher impairment percentage. Eloise Theodore from PMN Law Firm said, 
I would describe it as a severe tightening of the criteria, making it all but impossible for people to reach the 30% threshold with certain injuries. Ms Theodore said the government was also proposing to limit a worker's ability to select which doctor they believe is best suited to assess their injury. In Western Australia, the MUA has accused the Fremantle Port Authority of significantly escalating an industrial dispute at the Kinawa Bulk Terminal by standing down workers undertaking legally protected industrial action. The MUA has said that Fremantle Port's heavy-handed response to limited forms of lawful industrial action has resulted in the Kiana Terminal effectively shutting down for five hours a day, which is already causing delays that have resulted in an iron ore bulk carrier being diverted to another port. The dispute follows a forensic audit which found more than 100 Fremantle Ports workers had been underpaid more than $3.5 million across the last six years, with some shortchanged more than $10,000 a year. The audit was undertaken in the context of revelations of alleged corruption by a former Fremantle Ports manager who is accused of funneling more than $5 million from the Western Australian government-owned port operator to offshore bank accounts. Some wins. In Victoria, more than 70 ETU members at the Williamstown Rail Yard, supported by other unions on site, have struck a blow against casualisation, reaching an in-principle agreement on the 22nd of June that brings a long-running dispute to the end. The workers are employed by Downer Group to work on the Evolution Rail Consortium's high-capacity metro trains project. They have been negotiating with Downer Group over their next EBA since February 2020. The main sticking point in negotiations has been the issue of casualisation. There are currently 32 fixed-term workers on contracts plus several casual workers at the site. Over the last year, 15 full-time workers have left the project, but none of the contract workers have been converted to full-time. The unions demanded a clause in the EBA that converts fixed-term workers to full-timers to address the issue. Downer initially refused to accept this claim, but the unions dug in for a fight. In return, an in-principle agreement with the company, ETU members have won an important battle in the fight against casualisation in the rail industry. In New South Wales, National Union of Workers versus General Mills, the company that owns the brands of Old El Paso, Latino Fresh, Nature Valley and Hagendas. Workers endorsed a deal on the 25th of June that will see all their conditions maintained a wage increase of almost 9% over three years, back paid to February the 11th, a $1,500 bonus and protection for all labour hire casuals and contractors who participated in the strike. When 90 General Mills National Union of Workers members started this strike on June the 4th, workers were facing an average pay rise of 1.5% cuts to their conditions and new clauses that would see them forced to work more over the weekend. The fight at General Mills was a fight against wage stagnation with yet another company that made huge profits from their essential workers during COVID only to turn around and try to slash their conditions. Workers stood strong against this global corporate giant. After three weeks on strike, standing strong, National Union of Workers members on site won. You're on Stick Together, workers' stories, union news and social justice issues. 
Superannuation is a system of deferred wages developed in Australia as an nest egg for workers to supplement the aged pension. The large pool of money that has grown has now caused the federal government to seek legislative changes, which is a win for the financial industries, say some, and a loss for workers whose money is held in superannuation accounts. I spoke to Dave Noonan, National Secretary for the Construction Division of the CFMMEU, for his take on the changes. Well, um, there's a, a range of things the government uh, wanted to do and some of the changes were discarded because they couldn't get support even amongst their own um, uh, backbenchers in the House of Representatives. Uh, that was mainly around directing uh, the minister being able to direct where superannuation funds couldn't, could and couldn't um, uh, make investments. So that part of it dropped off, but um, one of the major changes they've made, which um, is an area of concern uh, for um, uh, working people, is around uh, what's called stapling. Um, and that simply is um, a position where when a worker um, first joins the workforce and becomes a member of a super fund, the intention of this policy is that the worker stays in that fund for the rest of their time in the workforce unless they make um, an individual decision to opt out. So, for example, uh, what that means, where we're concerned about this uh, particularly is in construction, um, that a worker that might commence um, in the retail industry or in hospitality um, and then um, get a job in construction, um, that worker would be... um, remaining in the in the uh, particular fund that covered retail or hospitality um, and would not become a member of CBUS, which is the um, construction industry fund. What does that mean in practice? Well, one of the major issues is that construction, of course, is a high-risk industry um, and the construction industry super fund has got um, tailored insurance uh, for workers who work in high-risk industries. Um, And that means that uh, there is a uh, death benefit attributable uh, to uh, workers who who die um, either on or off the job um, that uh, goes to their uh, next of kin or their dependents. Um, And there's also a total permanent and disability policy for people who um, either through uh, work or um, outside of work hours um, become uh, so sick or um, injured that they can't uh, they can't uh, earn an income through working in the future. Um, now the insurance policies that apply um, uh, for those other funds uh, would not ne- would not necessarily cover workers for high risk industries. A lot of them have exclusions, um, and uh, indeed some of them don't have any insurance coverage at all. So that's a major concern because we are, as a union, constantly having to deal with circumstances where we're getting uh, TPD and death benefits for workers. Uh, It was touted, and in fact there was a a little byline on the ABC when this was put uh, forward, that this uh, legislation was uh, focused on badly performing uh, uh, super funds. CBUS isn't one of those funds, is it? No, it's um, consistently been in the uh, top five uh, superannuation funds in the country in terms of investments performance. Um, it's uh, it's got um, uh, excellent um, 
uh, low fees and um, it's been well recognised as being one of the leading performing funds. But look, um, anyone that thinks that this federal government's actually worried about performance of super funds or high fees um, is kidding themselves. And some of the journalists uh, who've been fed uh, this rubbish by the government um, are just writing up press releases without seriously challenging uh, what they're being told. There's a couple of reasons for that. I mean, one of them is journalists are very busy. There's a lot of job cuts. So increasingly we're seeing journalists just regurgitating press releases because they're under time pressure. Uh, secondly, superannuations, are, you know, sounds like a pretty complicated thing, so they often don't challenge it. And lastly, um, there's quite a few of them uh, that are just captured by the government's narrative. But, you know, what we saw... Uh, through the Hain Royal Commission, the Financial Services Royal Commission, um, is that the funds that the government strongly supports, the so-called retail funds, which are mostly bank-owned, uh, or the AMP, which was a, a mutual that got uh, privatised, are run largely for the benefit of shareholders. So if you put it pretty simply, you've got a class of people who are members of the fund, and super's meant to benefit those people. That's the, the sole purpose test says that super funds should benefit the members of the fund. Industry funds don't have shareholders. Um, generally, uh, unions and employer groups uh, make up their boards um, and they don't have shareholders to pay. Um, but the retail funds uh, do have shareholders and um, that's why they have worse performance. It's an inherently conflicted model. But strangely enough, it's one that uh, Josh Frydenberg and uh, his uh, backbench mates, Andrew Brack, uh, Bragg and uh, Tim Wilson, support. Now, the likes of Andrew Bragg, who's one of the major pushers of the government attacking industry super, before he went into Parliament, he was employed by the Financial Services Council, and that's the lobbyist group for the big banks and retail funds. So it's not surprising uh, that they continue to have this uh, approach and, of course, uh, the banks are generous donors to the uh, Liberal and National parties. Let's go back to the uh, notion of a, uh, an industry superannuation fund and go back into the mists of time when superannuation was created as part of the uh, strengthening of a what was called a social contract. Uh, the um, method of supporting working people uh, outside the wages and conditions of their work. That's what superannuation was about, wasn't it? Well, it was. I mean, in the construction industry, superannuation was born out of a campaign for higher wages. Um, and at a point in that campaign, um, it became clear um, that despite the fact that workers had taken industrial action and gone on strike for higher wages, the then uh, restrictions which were on uh, wage increases through the... Uh, through the accord in the early 1980s, which uh, was the Labor government's policy at the time, uh, meant that uh, workers weren't going to be able to um, uh, get that wage increase approved and spread uh, across the industry through the Industrial Commission. So superannuation, uh, CBUS was set up to put that wage increase into superannuation. So workers got some money in their pocket, but they got deferred wages through superannuation. Um, and... There was controversy about that in the union movement amongst workers at the time. Some people didn't support it, but overwhelmingly um, it did get support through the industry and it got support because uh, people understood that over time uh, there was the need 
to supplement the age pension uh, with extra income. Uh, public sector workers and particularly public senior public servants and CEOs and executives in private companies got super. Blue-collar workers didn't get super. Um, and so um, there was a campaign to, to win superannuation and, and, as I've said before, it was deferred wages and it was won through struggle. Now, what we see, of course, is that as the amounts of superannuation in the system pile up and, and after it was won by workers, we did see it legislated through the superannuation guarantee charge. Um, the, the governments and the, and the banks have started to look at this um, as a financial product which they can um, arbitrage and get, um, uh, you know, get a share of. And so that's why there's an attack on industry superannuation, in my view. Yeah, yeah. Um, and people have to, it's un, it should be underlined that this is workers' deferred wages. This is workers' money. This is workers' money. Um, and um, at, the, at the outset of superannuation, um, there was a percentage of wage increases deferred to go into super. Uh, this isn't some product that should be out there for the predators of the financial markets to um, uh, to live off uh, around the world uh, there are in uh, a lot of developed countries pension schemes uh, uh, super, what, what we call superannuation um, and it's quite normal for them to have uh, workers representation and uh, and for working people to um, uh, participate in the um, administration and investment of their um, so of their retirement income through um, through their trade unions, but of course to the Liberal Party that's anathema. They hate the idea uh, of workers and unions having an institutional role at the table in investment, um, and the attack on superannuation uh, through uh, the Liberal Party and uh, Josh Freudenberg uh, and Morrison um, is one which is uh, quite illogical. Um, it's driven by ideology and it's driven by an absolute allergy to the proposition that workers should have a say um, in the investment of their retirement savings. Actually, uh, just as an aside, in the American experience, after the uh, catastrophic uh, uh, subprime lending loan uh, debacle in 2008, many of those financial investors then went into uh, raiding pension funds. Well, um, yeah, look, I mean, the American system's a bit different. Um, it's not been without its problems over the years, and there's a number of things that have been built into the uh, Australian system to try and um, provide um, some protections um, that mightn't have been there necessarily in the, um, in the US system. Of course, um, in the USA, um, if you're not covered by a union collective agreement, it's unlikely that you'll get... Um, uh, what they call a, um, a, you know, a pension under a union pension scheme. Um, in Australia, the coverage um, is much broader than that, although we do have a lot of battles and struggles to try and make sure that employers actually pay workers for what they're due. There's a, very, there's a lot of avoidance um, and evasion of superannuation entitlements in some industries, in particular construction. Um, and one of the big uh, jobs that unions have to do is to make sure that contributions are being made, that workers are getting their retirement income and that they're being covered uh, for the insurances, which I've already mentioned. And all of this legislation is going to make that difficult task even harder. 
Stick together. 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 You're listening to Stick Together on Community Radio. That uh, stapling, um, are they uh, hoping that the young people who enter industries will just uh, be unaware of their ability to go into an industry fund, that it's an extra step and that they will uh, just fall through the cracks? Look, I mean, I don't know what they're hoping, but I think um, the history has shown with superannuation that consumer behaviour is that people uh, don't make active choices. um, And that's why we have a default default system. Um, That's not been perfect. And one of the criticisms was that people were ending up in multiple funds. Um, So in other words, if you started in one job and then moved to another industry, a lot of people uh, didn't roll their super into the new fund. Um, quite a few steps have been taken, including tax file um, uh, number matching and so on, to try and um, alleviate that. Uh, but it, but the government's trying to say that that's what stapling's all about. Now, whether people start off in one of the underperforming retail funds, or even if they start off in a fund uh, which is fine for, um, you know, let's say retail hospitality or, or another industry. Uh, which doesn't have the same uh, element of high risk uh, that an industry like, uh, say, construction, mining or agriculture does. Um, the, the concern is that people just sit in the fund they're in, that they're not aware of the fact that they're um, underinsured or uninsured. Um, and uh, as well as that, of course, um, the measures which exist to try and ensure um, uh, compliance and um, and the fact that people get paid in industries like construction um, don't easily exist in those other funds. So uh, this is a challenge uh, for the industry and for workers. And we know um, in the CFMEU that there are going to be situations coming up where we have workers killed on the job, uh, dying through work, um, we have a very high suicide rate and a range of these uh, circumstances aren't covered under um, many insurance policies and um, frankly we're the people that often end up talking to families um, uh, and we're very worried that we'll be saying look um, if they were in CBUS they would have been insured uh, but they're not insured under these circumstances so there's nothing for you. Oh that's terrible isn't it? It's really terrible. Well well, it's, a, it's an example it's an example where um, if you talk to some of the politicians, um, they have no concept of the lives of working people in high-risk industries like construction. They don't understand it. They don't understand the level of uh, evasion of entitlements in our industry, and they certainly don't understand uh, the reality of uh, of, uh, of uh, workers whose uh, families rely on their income uh, when they die on the job um, and there's no insurance there. That has not been something um, that the uh, Parliament took into account when they passed this uh, 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 terrible bill a um, couple of weeks ago. And I was up there last week and speaking to some of them, including crossbenchers, um, and I think a lot of them didn't really have a clear understanding of what they were actually voting for and the consequences of that vote. That's it for Stick Together this week. Thanks to Dave Noonan for being part of the show. 
If you want to catch up with Stick Together, we are podcast at 3cr.org.au and on iTunes and Spotify. Email us on sticktogether3cr at gmail.com. I'm Annie McLaughlin, and until next time, remember, whatever you do, there is a union for you, and stick together. Stick together.